All right. Well, I'm excited to be with you guys tonight and continue in this Road to Recovery series that we have been spending some time in. And the overarching theme of this series is that each one of us is in need of recovery. We've emphasized every week to look inward into ourselves and not to look to your left or your right, not to be wishing that your neighbor or your mom or your boss was here, and that we would recognize that recovery is not for those people, but it's actually for us, for each and every single one of us that has a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit that we need recovery in. And we've explored our deep need for recovery, and we've talked about what it looks like to consciously commit to recovery. And then last week, Graham explored how we cannot do this alone. We were not made for isolation, that it cannot just be me and Jesus, that we need each other, and that we need to confess to God and to one another. In fact, in 1 John 1, 9, it says we find God utterly reliable to forgive our sins. And then we discovered in James 5, 16, that when we admit our faults to one another and pray for each other, we would be healed, that we would be healed. Another part of healing, a big part of wholeness and freedom and victory in our recovery process comes from forgiveness. And we're simply kidding ourselves if we don't realize that on our road to recovery, we will have to forgive many people and we will even have to forgive ourselves. Will you pray with me? <clears throat> Lord, I, <laughs> I pray for myself right now, God, as we've been wrestling through this message together. Lord, I think sometimes some of these words like forgiveness become almost too familiar to us. And so, God, I pray that you would have your way in each person's life here tonight, Lord, that chains would be broken, that hearts would be opened and softened. Yeah, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would move and minister to each and every person here tonight. And I, I pray this in Jesus' name. In Matthew 18, 21 through 22, we find this familiar portion of scripture. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And I don't know if you ever heard that, um, even if you didn't follow Jesus or you weren't a church kid, but if you heard that at different times in your life and you found yourself maybe in a fight with your sister or your brother and you counted 
how many times you'd actually forgiven them so you knew if you were on track to be done and that you weren't going to have to actually forgive them another time or not because you've worked your way up. Jesus was full of words like these. You know, I think sometimes we like that soft idea of Jesus where it just feels cushy and warm and amazing, and it feels like he's telling us what we want to hear. But if we actually open our ears to hear the word, he's telling us a lot of things that are really hard to hear. In Matthew 6, 14, 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Hmm. Wow. He doesn't say what we expect him to say there or maybe what we want him to say there. Um... Because it sounds like he's saying, if you don't, I won't. If you don't, I won't. And when we hear this or we read this, it sounds like his love is, uncon- is conditional, right? And it's like, I thought your love was unconditional. And he's saying, you thought you get unconditional love but then you're going to put a condition on it for everyone else. As followers of Jesus, we don't get that. We don't get to do that. We don't get to be judge and jury because unconditional love needs to remain unconditional. Unconditional love needs to remain unconditional. Forgive as you've been forgiven. That's the call to us. That's the word, that's the charge that he gives us. What he is saying here is if you're not at a place where you are forgiving other people, then you yourself are not living forgiven. You're not walking in the forgiveness that you've been given. Because when you are, you are forgiving other people. If you aren't forgiving other people, then you aren't feeling forgiven inside. You hold them to a tab, to a checklist, because you still feel you have a tab. And you don't. He wants us to be free, whole, healthy, and victorious. It's not any shock when Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of him, have been given a ministry of reconciliation. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one, no one, from a worldly point of view. That means we look at people with a kingdom point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means you consider yourself a follower of Jesus. The new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. That means you are a new creation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You guys, he's given us that ministry. That's what we're charged with. Do we describe our ministry as that? I mean, we have... We consider ourselves, well, my ministry is kids' church, or my ministry is food distribution, or my ministry is worship, or my ministry is Bible study, or I greet people. But you guys, that is the method, not the ministry. That is the method. More important, when, we, when people look at us, do they see that in us? This is reconciling me to God and God to others. We are on this earth to forgive other people and to help them know they are forgiven. If we're busy holding grudges and deciding who's worthy of our forgiveness and who is not, how's anybody supposed to know they're forgiven? They can't know it because we've got a checklist and they haven't made it. Am I reconciling? Have I made every effort? You know, there's two places in Matthew. One where it says, if you have something against your brother, if you have something against your brother or your brother has something against you, in both places, you know what it says? Go to him. Go to him. So whether I have something against my brother or my brother has something against me, I'm to go to him. Here's the good news. No, maybe it's the bad news. You get to decide. <laughs> Forgiveness, reconciliation, guess who it, who it always starts with? Me. <laughs> It always starts with me. I don't get to push that off on somebody else. It starts with me. We get to go first. Yay, yes. <laughs> we get to go first. That's part of our ministry. But really, as ambassadors, we go first. And how we go first matters. It matters. We go in humility. We go first in humility. What does humility look like? Humility doesn't just say, I'm sorry. Humility says, I'm sorry. Can you help me? 
Humility says, I'm sorry. I don't know. Humility says, I'm sorry. This was my part of the situation. We own our part. We own our stuff. That's what humility does. You know, I heard a story about somebody that literally came from an abusive home. Their father was extremely abusive. And they, you know, grew up, became an adult, and they were in a place where they wanted to reconcile if it was possible. And they went to their father and they said, and this is where the story got weird to me, they said, I'm sorry. It's like, what do you have to be sorry for? (laughs) As I was listening to the story, why are you apologizing? And the person said, I'm sorry, dad, because I realize I've carried bitterness for you my entire life. I've been angry and I've been bitter. And that wasn't right on my part. Now, whatever the father does on his end is his thing. But that person unloaded their part. And I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying reconciliation will be possible with every person in your life. There are very harmful, hurtful, toxic people in this world. So I know that reconciliation is not always possible. What I am saying is forgiveness is always needed. Whether we forgive from a distance or we forgive up close will depend on the situation. But I'm not encouraging you. This person wanted reconciliation, but what I found astounding is they recognized that bitterness had grown inside of them. The word of God tells us that if we allow bitterness to creep into our hearts, if we become bound up in resentment, discontentment, grudges against others, judgments, if we allow these ungodly characteristics to sink their deadly roots into our heart, that it becomes a wide open door for the enemy. It becomes an open door. Raise your hand if you know somebody that's bitter. We know them, don't we? We've been around them. It changes their tone. It changes their appearance. It changes everything about them. What I want you to understand is when we live in a posture of forgiveness, that changes us as well. It changes our tone. It changes our posture. It changes our appearance. We have a choice. Just like we've said, we have a choice with every part of this road to recovery. Here's the most amazing thing about our God. He will never force you to do anything. 
He won't. But he asks you and he shows you. And he always gives you the why behind it. We are always wanting to add, right? We're wanting to add things to our walk with God. We're wanting to add more prayer. We want to add more Bible study. We want to add maybe a new ministry. We want to do, we want to go. But what if God is wanting to remove something from us? I want to challenge you. He wants to rip out that root of bitterness inside of you. He wants to rip out that root of unforgiveness that you've been carrying around. Just like a gardener will push that soil away and make room, he wants to pull that out of you. Because if he doesn't, you guys, it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to wind around your heart and it's going to choke on your heart. And pretty soon, you won't recognize some of the things coming out of your mouth because you're not just bitter about that person. You're bitter about life. And it's not just that person that sets you off. It's everything, everywhere that sets you off. Dave and I went to go see a movie a couple days ago. We went to go see um, a man called Otto. <laughs> and um, Dave's like, are we sure we want to go to that movie? Because it's about a grumpy old man, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I, we want to go, go see that movie, I think. And um, if you've read the book or you've seen the movie, it's powerful. This man... You know, you, you all raised your hand when I said, you know anybody walking in bitterness? This man, Otto, is, is living in bitterness. Every person rubs him the wrong way. Every situation he's angry at. Every person's an idiot. Everything. And it was such a picture of this message because he has this neighbor that moves in, Marisol, and she lives like a follower of Jesus. She lives like how I want to live because she relentlessly loves Otto. She's relentless in her love for him. And it doesn't matter how many walls he tries to throw up. She just pushes him down with love. And she keeps pushing him down until at the end, his heart starts to soften. And you can see love moving in and making space and and you hear his life story and you understand the pain but you also understand the power of not doing life alone and how much we need each other and how much we have to forgive and walk in forgiveness and forgive ourselves for the things that we have done. In Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, 
Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In Hebrews 12, 15, watch out that no bitterness takes root among you, for as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Our bitterness doesn't just hurt us. It hurts those around us. It's not just my sin hurting me. It's my sin colliding with other people continually. Our lives have impact whether we think they do or not. It's always affecting other people. It's critical to examine ourselves and, and see if unforgiveness or bitterness is being nurtured in our own hearts. We need to take this warning seriously. It's life or death, you guys. I don't know what you've lived through. I don't know what somebody has done to you. I don't know. Some of your stories I know, but some of them I don't. I don't know how you've hurt somebody else and how you've been walking around kicking yourself or beating yourself up about it. I just know that when we forgive, that burden is taken off of us and it's laid at Jesus' feet and we can move past and trust him. That doesn't mean that maybe you forgive one time. There are some people in my life I've had to forgive over and over and over again for a year, sometimes two. The pain was so deep. When I became a pastor, they said, make sure you have thick skin and a soft heart. That's real. That's real. But forgiveness is like a muscle. And the more you exercise it, maybe the easier it gets the next time. I don't want to be a bitter old woman. I want to be a soft, loving old woman that has gotten softer and more tender with age, not harder. We need to make things right whenever we're able to make things right. We're ministers of reconciliation. That's what God called us to do. I told you before, our faces can change whether we carry bitterness and unforgiveness or whether we carry forgiveness and reconciliation. And I love this story of Jacob and Esau in the Old Testament. These brothers, I'm not going to give you the whole story. It's such a a powerful drama played out on the pages of scripture. But Jacob, Jacob connived and deceived his brother and stole from him, and they went their own ways. But then later on, when they have families, they're coming up upon each other. 
And Jacob's terrified to see Esau because Esau had every right to kill him, honestly. Like, and they come together and, and Esau grabs him and kisses him and hugs him. And it's so powerful. And Jacob is trying to give him gifts, tons of gifts. And he says this to him. He says, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. is like seeing the face of God. When we forgive people and we love them, when we walk in reconciliation, you know, this is the first story in the Bible where restoration, reconciliation is in full bloom. It's like seeing the face of God. Mercy, forgiveness, love. You know, we're never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Forgiveness. We're never more like God than when we give. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Next week, when we come back together, we're going to wrap up our recovery series. And we're going to have testimonies from people that have been on the road to recovery. They're going to share holy ground with us as we get to listen in on their lives and what it has been like as they've chosen to consciously commit, to confess to one another, to ask for forgiveness, and to give forgiveness. And we're going to get to kind of put a mirror up to ourselves as they share these very personal examples with us. But here's the thing. This is part of recovery. When I yield myself to God, then I get to be used by God to bring this good news to others. And that's what they're going to do. But I'm going to encourage you, I'm going to invite the worship team up. This week, tonight, I would invite you tonight to identify who you need to forgive It might be yourself. And it's just as important that you forgive yourself as you forgive others. If it's someone else, I want you to begin to pray for them and to seek to reconcile with them if, if that's possible, if that is possible for you, if, they, if that's someone that that you can seek that reconciling with. Maybe ask God and someone safe to do that with you. 
We go first. We go first. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. We live lives as forgiven people. Therefore, we forgive others. But tonight, we're gonna have an opportunity during worship for some prayer. And I would encourage you to come for prayer. For strength, maybe to give forgiveness, to walk in forgiveness, to seek forgiveness. Whatever that looks like, you guys, don't let this message go tonight just as another message about forgiveness. No. Mm -mm. No. If there's a bitter root within you, God wants to pull that out. So maybe you come for prayer and you just ask, would you pray with me that God would pull that root out? I'm so tired of carrying that around. I don't want to be a bitter person. I don't want to I don't want to be hardened. I want to be soft. Maybe you need to go ask for forgiveness from somebody. So you need to come for, for prayer and just say, would you help me find the strength and the humility to go and ask for that forgiveness? Because how do we go? We go in humility. You guys, this is the type of thing. I'm not being dramatic. This is not dramatic. This is real. This is the type of thing that can change our world. There are bitter, angry, hard, unforgiving, ugly people walking around in this world right now. And when I say they're ugly, they're ugly because of their heart posture, because they feel justified in their attitude. There's no justification for that. For God so loved the world, he gave his son so we could be reconciled to him and reconciled to each other. This is something we have got to get if we consider ourselves followers of Jesus. We've got to get it, guys. We don't get to just keep that one person that we're angry at. We don't. We've got to get rid of all bitterness. All of it. Would you stand with me while I pray? Would you stand? Lord, we just come before you, God. Would you give us the strength? Would you give us the hunger and the desire for you and for the things of you and for a heart after you, God? It's nothing I say up here. It is the work of the Holy Spirit inside of our lives moving, transforming, shaping, changing us. But only when we surrender, 
Only when we say we need you, only when we hold our hands up in desperation, do you move? Because you don't twist our arms. You don't. You don't force yourself on us. But we open ourselves up to you and say, change me, Lord. Let it start with me. Let it start with me. In Jesus' name, amen.